If you didn't bring your Bible, hold up your hand and ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up real high. And let's all go to Mark, the fourth chapter. And I want you to reach down and believe strong tonight with me. For utterance, we, uh, we got some places to go and some things to see. I'm convinced absolutely life-changing, ministry-changing. Do you believe it, saints? If it's his word, how could it be anything else? And it is his word. Let's agree together right now in prayer, in faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree as touching this right now, the rest of this service, asking you together for utterance. Strong, clear, pure, and for everybody, all of us, eyes open to see, ears open to hear, hearts open to discern and receive. Let there come answers, specific. Let there come grace deposits, truth impartations, a supply of the Spirit enablement for the next parts of the plan. We ask for it. We believe we receive it. Anything that needs to be removed, anything we don't need in our thinking, anything that's wrong about our believing or what we've been doing, we ask you to show it to us. Make it clear and plain to us, and by your grace, we'll get it out. We'll remove it, we'll quit doing it, and all the glory be to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Say it out loud, Lord, get glory to yourself. Get glory to yourself. In me, in us, in our ministries, in every part. Get glory to yourself. Hallelujah. Anything he's not pleased with, we want it gone, don't you? And anything he wants in there, that's what we want. Thy will be done. Mark 4 and 35. How many, uh, this is your first night of the week to be with us. Let me see. Okay. We'll review a little bit. If you want to get everything, we'll be building on what's already happened up to this point. You can uh, go online, download the messages last night and Monday night. Or go in the back and get you a CD or a DVD. Won't cost you anything. And uh, get caught up. How many that's been here would, would say you'd recommend that they hear it and that they get a hold of it? I believe it'll be worth your time. Not because I ministered it, but because I believe it's beyond me. More than me. You know, uh, it's the anointing that teaches and ministers, isn't it? First John. In fact, just... Uh, before you read this, hold your place there, go to 1 John, and let's read that, because we should purposely be aware of the anointing. We should set our mind on the reality that it's the anointing teaching us, and not a man or a woman. 1 John, and the second chapter, and the 20th verse, says, you have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One. And this anointing causes what? It causes you to know. The anointing causes you to know. 
all things. Say it out loud. The anointing anointing causes me to know. know. Now, this is different from learning. (laughs) Learning's a process. By revelation, you just know something that nobody explained to you that you didn't figure out. Are you listening, saints? Anybody that's gone very far with the Lord, you know what I'm talking about. The anointing. A man or woman cannot reveal truth to another man or woman. No matter how hard you try. You ever tried to do it and got frustrated? I, especially back decades ago when I was first seeing some truths and I got so excited. Well, I wanted my friends and everybody else to see them too. Get excited too. And so I'd say, I remember one fellow one time I I got two scriptures I shared. One of them was about being redeemed from the curse of the law. And I told him, and I had him to turn over there, you know, and I paused for effect. (laughs) And I said, read that 13th verse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And and I said, how about that? And he said, huh? (laughs) I said, brother, we just got through reading what the curse was. And that says we've been redeemed from it. Just blank look on his face. I thought, and I said it louder, and that didn't do any good. <laughs> and, and you want to just take the top of their head and open it up and stick it down in there and go, get it. But you can't do it. No, I don't care how well of a, uh, you think you can speak or how smart you think you are or how well you think you understand it. No man or woman can reveal truth to another man or woman. Unless the Holy Spirit reaches in and turns the light on. You don't see it. You don't get it. Say it out loud. I have an anointing of the Holy One. And I know all things. I'm reading scripture. Verse 27. But the anointing which you've received of him abides in you. It's in there all the time. And you need not that any man teach you. Now that doesn't mean that you don't need preachers. Because that's why the Lord gave gifts unto men. Right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But if they really are called of God and he really is teaching through them, it still wasn't a man that taught you. It was the anointing on them through them In you, it still wasn't a man or a woman. It was him. And you're not dependent on somebody smart enough to figure it out and explain it to you. Because you got the best teacher, the best explainer in the universe. He talks every language. He talks to me in Mississippi slang. He knows exactly how to say things to me. So I understand. He, He knows exactly how to say it to you so that you can get it no matter what. Said out loud, the anointing, the anointing. is teaching me. Teaching. I am not, I am not. Dependent, on dependent on any man. The anointing teaches me anointing. all things all and, his and his truth and is no lie. Is no lie. We're talking about the spirit of truth. Yeah. We're talking about the teacher. And that's what's happening right now. Right now. Right now, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me, hallelujah, to preach 
to proclaim. Hallelujah. And the anointing is on you and in you. And eyes are being opened. And ears are being opened. And light is flooding in. And answers are being made plain. Somebody say amen, amen, amen. Say that loud. Be it unto me, O Lord. According to your word. Who I'm glad I came tonight. Mark 4, verse 35, when the even was come, Jesus said to them, let us pass over to the other side. Keep going. When he'd sent the multitude away, he took them even as he was in the ship, and there were with him other ships. There arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship that it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they wake him, and they say, to him, Master, carest thou not? Don't you care that we're perishing out here? Verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. How many think we should follow his example? Rebuke whatever's causing the problem and whatever things it disrupted, speak peace to them. You know, oftentimes in healing, There'll be something that ought not be there, uh, some kind of work, or it could be a tumor or growth or inflammation or infection, something ought not be there, and you don't need to beg God about that. You need to command that to die and leave in the name of Jesus. Well, then oftentimes that has caused some damage. Well, then it's okay to even ask the Lord to restore something. He's the healer. He's not the problem. Or speak to it like the testimony you heard, that word be, be made whole, be quickened, be restored, asking the Lord to let the anointing come and restore it, what's been damaged, make it whole and right. Keep reading. He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And instead of getting it and going, okay, Lord, we're going to quit being afraid, they feared more. They feared exceedingly and said, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, in previous nights, we saw from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse, it says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe. And therefore speak. Did you know you're supposed to operate in faith just like Abraham did? Just like David did when he faced Goliath? Just like all the heroes of faith? Just like Paul did? Just like Jesus did? But notice it's the spirit of faith. Say it out loud. Spirit of faith. Not the knowledge of faith. Christianity is not just a belief system. It's not about knowing all the right principles. It's about a man, Christ Jesus, and about being born again and becoming like that man and having the same spirit as that man. Are you a Christian? Christian? Christian. One made in his likeness and his image, just like my big brother. Me. How about you? 
Said out loud, I'm just like my big brother. <laughs> Glory to God. It may not appear all that now, but you know, just think about this. How many of you would say you are a different person after being in the Word for five years, <laughs> 10 years, 20 years? Have you grown? Have you changed? What if you keep doing that for another thousand years? <laughs> and not just doing that, but picking up speed and really making strides in progress, then eventually it's going to appear when people see you and I, they won't have to ask. They will go, those are the sons of God. It will appear that it does not yet appear, but it will appear. Who we are, what we are. Right now, we're baby, baby, babies. Even the oldest, most experienced of us. When the Lord says, my little children, it's not a figure of speech. <laughs> but we're off to a good start, aren't we? The spirit of faith. In 2 Timothy 1 and 7, it said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Spirit of faith. Spirit of fear. And when it comes to spirits. Or the spirit of a thing. The most important thing. Is what you yield to. Or what you resist. How many think you should resist. The spirit of fear. Amen. If God didn't give it to you. Where would it come from? Well, it'd be from the enemy. And the Bible said, resist the devil. So resist fear. There's a phrase you need to know. It needs to be strong in you. And you need to use it frequently. I refuse to fear. Fear, I resist you. In Jesus' name. Anytime you have a feeling of fear, thoughts of fear, something shakes you, something's trying to move you. Don't just be silent. Speak right up. Speak right up. If people around you don't understand, well, get away where you can. If you need to, get away where you can get loud. And say, fear, I resist you. It's a spirit. Spirit of fear. I resist you. Leave me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I... I will fear no evil. I will not fear. I'm not going to do it. Now go with me please. To the book of. Uh, Hebrews. The fourth chapter. And I'm going to read a verse to you. And then we'll get right into Hebrews 4. We read last night. And I believe the night before as well. You're going to Hebrews 4. Put up on the screen for us. 2 Corinthians 7 5. Paul said, uh, when we're coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Everybody say, no rest. No rest. What part of his being had no rest? Flesh. His flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. When you are challenged and pressed and you're tempted to fear and be shaken, the comforter is always there. 
And he will even use, he'll raise up people and use people to minister comfort to you. As well as the comfort that's on the inside of you. And you need to be ready to repay the favor. Right? That God could use you to minister comfort to others that are fearing or tempted to fear. And he said, my flesh had no rest and within were fears. Now something we got onto the Monday night was that Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Nobody, not the devil himself, can put fear in you. No matter what he may try to do, nothing, no evil report, no accident, no attack, no crime, all the demons bunched together do not have the power or ability to force you to fear. Nothing can put fear in you against your will. Now, it can come against you from the outside. And you can feel it. And it can be very, very real. And it can be powerful trying to move you. Move your heart. Move your soul. Move your mind. But you never have to let fear in. Never. If fear is in us. It's because we let it in. We always, Christians always have the power and ability to resist it and not let it in. But now you'll notice this. If you're not able to be at peace on the inside, your flesh can't rest. If you got fears on the inside, your flesh can't rest. Well, you can't go indefinitely without rest. And I'm not just talking about sleep or sitting still and not working. That's not enough. There's a rest that all of us require. Not only naturally, but spiritually. There's a spiritual rest that we must have. And if you can rest on the inside, your mind can rest. Your body can rest. Your systems can rest. And when you're resting, you've got peace. And you've got joy. And your joy is your strength. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. Now, the reality is, this world is full of fear. And most people are mostly governed by the fear in this world. And sad to say, many Christians are mostly governed by fear. But it's subtle. The devil is subtle. Even so-called word and faith people have learned how to hide their fears. And they don't use the fear word, but they use other words to describe the same thing. Here's one. Stressed. Stressed. Tension. Everybody say tension. And stress. Why would you be stressed? Why would you be tense? What's going on? I said, what's going on? Watch out for the indicators of fear. See, fear comes in all levels. There is the full-blown terror, panic where somebody's just mindless and paralyzed and frozen. But then there's also 
the slight discomfort and mild dread. That's fear too. Just a much lesser lower level of it. And of course then there's levels all the way in between. From that to the other. How much fear should you and I have? In our, How much? How much is okay? We need to develop a zero tolerance for fear. Everybody say zero tolerance. How much fear is okay with you, with your children and your grandkids, with you, about your health, about your finances, about your marriage? How much fear is okay? How much? Are we in agreement on this or not? Huh? God did not give us fear. Did he? Well, how much of it should we have if it didn't come from God? If it came from the enemy of God, how much of it should we have? Absolutely none. The psalmist said, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. If you've been delivered from all your fears, you are completely fear free. You got no fear of anything. Now we should not sit up in church and pretend all of us have been operating like that. Because just like the disciples, when he told them, and you read the other accounts in different times, he told them, don't be afraid, fear not. And on this occasion, he said, why are you so full of fear? And their response was, more fear. So you can know a lot of things about fear. You can have a lot of people's books and series, teaching series on being free from fear and basically live in fear every day. People can tell you, don't be afraid, and you can just get more afraid, like the disciples did. (laughs) In fact, it takes major mind renewal, because most, most everybody grew up in an atmosphere of fear, in an environment of fear. And everywhere you go, there's fear, and you've been in it so long and around it so much, you think it's normal. Because this is the way it's always felt. It's the way people have always talked. It's the way people have always thought. I've been around a lot of word and faith people in the past 30 years. And a lot of faith preachers. And what's surprising, and I know I hadn't done it perfectly myself either. But what's surprising is a lot of faith preachers and a lot of faith people don't talk faith at home. And privately. How much fear should we have? How often should we talk faith? Huh? I'm looking in the back. How, where should we talk faith? When should we talk faith? Every morning, every noontime, every night, in the middle of the night, when you're standing in front of the refrigerator at midnight to get a drink of water. By yourself and nobody's around, you should not talk fear. You should talk faith only. Didn't the Lord tell that one time? Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. I've had people tell me before. 
You know, man, they're out ministering or on trips or doing other things. And they say, man, I can't wait to get back home so I can just let my hair down and be myself. Well, who are you being out here? What, what does that mean? <laughs> no, no, no. Witnessing is not just something you go do once in a while. We are witnesses 24-7, either good ones or bad ones. But we are. How much fear? Said out loud, I have zero tolerance for fear. None. None. Go to Hebrews 4 there. You still got it? Hebrews 4 and 1. Get ready to get excited now. Would you agree that there's fear everywhere? Even amongst believers. Would you agree? There's fear all over the place. There's so much of it. It's so pervasive until people don't notice it. Because they've always thought and felt that way and operated that way. But how about Jesus? Can you picture Jesus biting his nails? (laughs) Huh? Can you picture Jesus stressed out and scared over ministry the next day? Or what if the Pharisees interrupt the service again? Or what if they try to kill me like they did over there? What if they bring their rocks with them? (laughs) Those guys must have carried rocks all in their pockets. They're ready to pull them out any time. Now, I'm glad that's changed. At least in this country. You wouldn't want to preach to a bunch of folks and you see them get kind of sour and you start seeing them reach in their pocket. And go, oh man, They're going for that rock. <laughs> it's about to get ugly. Jesus, how much fear do you think he had growing up, then in ministry? How much? We just got through reading this passage. There's a storm. The boat's full of water. What's he doing? Sleeping Sleeping in the back. Do you think when they woke him up and shook him and yelling at him above the storm and wind, Jesus, don't you care we're about to drown out here? Do you think it startled him and alarmed him? When they woke him up out of a sound sleep, do you think... Jesus' heart started racing and his blood pressure went up and he said, what, 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 what's wrong, what's wrong? Can you picture Jesus doing that? Because that's not what he did. Even though his body was asleep, his spirit was not. His spirit did not need a warm-up period when they woke him up. He knew in his spirit what to do. He stood up. He was absolutely not afraid of the wind or the waves or the boat sinking or the deep. He had no fear. He had zero fear of drowning or sinking. Do you believe it, saints? And yet people go, well, yeah, but that's Jesus. You know, he's the son of God. He can do that. You know, a lot of preaching has left the wrong impression. 
People get worked up and they go, Jesus walked on the water. People go, yeah, he's the son of God. Jesus raised the dead. Amen. He's the son of God. Jesus calmed the storm. Yeah, he's the son of God. And both of those are true, but they're leaving the impression that he did it as God. And that's not true. I said, that's not true. The truth is, how many know if he tells us, he that says he walks in me ought to walk just like I walked. And if you believe me, this works I've done, you will do too. If he did them as God, how can we believe that? We can't believe that. But if he did them as a man, anointed and led by the Holy Spirit, and he would anoint us and lead us by that same Spirit, we see the glorious truth that I can walk in the same victory and power. I can walk the same fearless life. Can you walk as fearlessly as Jesus did? A lot of folks wouldn't believe that. And yet we just got through reading a couple of nights ago. Jesus said right before he left, he said, my peace. I'm leaving with you. Not as the world. My peace I'm giving to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. Why? He's given us everything we need to live the fear-free life. The peace that passes understanding. Say it out loud again. I have have zero tolerance tolerance for fear fear. in my life. Now I want you to release your faith right now on this next part. Say it out loud. Father God, put your finger on every fear in my life. Help me to see it. Anything I've given place to and by your grace and faith I will resist it and yield to it no more. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we're going to see some things. Don't assume you've arrived. We will see some things. And when you see it, what do you know? Glory to God. I don't have to yield to this ever again. I don't have to. This does not have to have a place in me at all. Ever again. In Hebrews 4. And beginning about verse uh, well, let's just start at verse 1. Hebrews 4.1 Amplified. He said, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, <laughs> let us fear as far as reverence, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. Is it too late to live a completely fear-free life, to live a life of supernatural rest? Mm -mm, It's still available. But we shouldn't assume it's automatic when he talks about afraid to distrust it. That's, That's amplified. He's talking about watch lest you yield to something wrong and like he's about to explain, miss out. On entering in and living this life. It's not automatic. There's something you and I have to do. Verse 2. 
Indeed, we have had the glad tidings, the gospel proclaimed to us just as truly as they had it proclaimed to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Because it was what? It was not mixed with faith by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with the ones who heard. What was their response to the gospel? The good news is, I've got a land for you. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. I've secured it to you. I've given it to you. I've blessed and empowered you to take it and to possess it. Now go get it. What is the correct response to good news? Yay! (laughs) I believe it. Let's go get it. What was their response? We can't. The giants. The walls. They didn't mix faith with it. What did they mix with it? Fear. Their response was fear. And it kept them from going in. Hold your place here and go to Revelation. 21st chapter. Revelation 21.7. I saw something about this just yesterday that I had never seen before. You shouldn't be surprised about that. I wasn't surprised either. There's a lot I don't know yet. (laughs) He that overcomes. Everybody say overcomes. overcomes. Shall inherit all things. How many remember this passage and others? He kept talking about overcome. He that overcomes. He that overcomes. I mean, not just a couple of times. He that overcomes. He that overcomes. Are we believers? Overcomers. More than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Sit out loud. I am, I am. an overcomer. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. You cannot be an overcomer with, except by faith. The only way we are overcomers is with our faith. And he that overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son, a faith son of a faith God, overcoming son of an overcoming God. Right? Verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I want you to notice what kind of company fearful and unbelieving is in. Most Christians would not link this with this list, would they? They'd have this on a separate list. I've seen it on church signs, church signs outside in the, next to the road. A little fear is good for you. Maybe they didn't read that verse. (laughs) Why would this be fearful and unbelieving? Why would it start the list of murderers? Sorcerers? Why? Because these people, abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, are people who did not overcome. They did not overcome temptation. 
They did not overcome the fears, the doubts. Their fear and unbelief prevented them from being an overcomer. Which is why it all goes together. You talk about sin, you talk about habits, you talk about crimes against humanity, and you examine it, and you'll find at the back of it, fear and unbelief. Why would a man or a woman put a pistol to another man or woman's head and blow their brains out over the $50 in their pocket? Why? Why? They're a murderer. They're a thief, but what were they that this is based on? They're fearful that if I don't do this, I won't have something to eat or I won't be able to get my drugs. They're unbelieving. They don't maybe don't even believe there is a God or if they do, don't believe he's good or cares about them or would do anything for them. And so you see the tortured mind and soul of human beings all over the place. That's why they do things that when they get through, they hate themselves for doing. They despise themselves for doing. Well, why did you do it then? Because they don't believe they could get it any other way. When you have faith, you have peace. And you can say, take it. No problem. I'm not going hungry. <laughs> well, you can, don't do it. Here, you can have mine. Here's my coat. Here's my shirt, too. Why? Because I know where I got these. <laughs> and when you got faith, you don't fear that your needs are not going to be met. You don't fear that you're not going to be healed. You don't fear. That they may not like you anymore and, and fire you and they may leave you and divorce you. and uh, Well, it's not something you're believing for or looking for. But uh, if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Yeah. Right? And if all my friends leave me, God will get me new and improved friends. <laughs> that won't run at the first sign of trouble. When you got faith. You don't fear. When you have faith, you're not in a panic. You're in a rest. And you just are resting confidently that God has always taken care of us. And he always will. Everything is going to work out for my good and for his glory. Right? What if you die? If the Lord tarries is coming just that much longer, we all going to die. You didn't know you were going to die? <laughs> you better be ready. You need to be ready right now to die. There are arrivals, babies being born. There are departures, people dying. Soon and very soon, time of our departure will be here. I'm not afraid to die, are you? That's a little weak. <laughs> What happens when you die? Your spirit slips out of your body like a hand out of a glove. It's laying there on the floor. Most people report looking down on it from above. Some people didn't even recognize it. 
And they say there's this kind of disaffectation that you're like, mm, so what? <laughs> and then you go, whoo, I feel good. <laughs> and you see like you've never seen before. You hear like you've never, your senses just open up. And you come alive. Hallelujah. Because none of the dullness of the flesh is there. Hallelujah. Maybe your angel is there. Maybe the Lord is there. And he says, you ready to go? You go, oh man. He said, you want the scenic route? Yeah, show me everything. Show me. You're out of there. You're gone. What is there to be afraid of about that? When you realize how long you're going to be around. It helps you relax. How long are you going to be around, child of God? Throughout the endless ages. Huh. What's the rush? I'm going to be around next century, next millennia, 10,000 millennia from now. I'm going to be around. How about you? So why be uptight? Why be so tense? Why be so rushed? Why be so anxious? There's a place you and I are called to live. It's a place of rest. It's a real place. Just like there's a spirit of faith and a spirit of fear. This place of rest is a real place. Back to Hebrews. Hebrews 4 in Amplified. Keep reading. They didn't mix faith with the good news they heard. They responded in fear. And that fear prevented them from being an overcomer. And from possessing the land. And taking it. And the same thing is happening today. Isn't it? That people's fear... Is in the way of them being an overcomer. And if you're not an overcomer. You're not going to possess and enjoy the blessings of God. Verse 3. For we which have believed. Do enter that rest. Say it out loud. We which do believe. Do enter that rest. How do you get into this rest? Believing. When you genuinely believe, when you're in real faith, you rest. You rest. And one of the big things to monitor day in, day out is how is my peace level? How's my joy level? The more disgruntled you are, the more irritated you are, the more frustrated you are, the more anxious you are, the poorer you're doing spiritually. Because if you were in strong faith, what would you be doing? We which do believe, we which believe, what do we do? You enter into rest. No matter how bad the report is, no matter how bad the symptoms are, when you enter into faith, you enter into rest and you go, God's word is true. He is on the throne. I believe what he said. None of these things move me. 
Hallelujah. He said, we which believe, we enter into rest. Now he, after they responded in fear, instead of faith, he said, they're not going to enter my rest. Although the preparation for the rest, the works had been completed and prepared from the foundation of the world. Just because God has prepared it and given it to us and it belongs to us does not mean we will enjoy it. What's given by grace must be possessed by faith. Keep going, verse 4. In a certain place, he said, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Keep going. But they forfeited their part in it. And he said, they shall not enter my rest. Is this rest important? So important. Verse 6. Seeing that the promise remains for some to enter that rest. This is present tense. This is talking to us right now. And anybody that has ever lived or ever will live. There remains a rest for us to enter into. Those who formerly were given the good news, they failed to appropriate it. They didn't enter in because of their disobedience. And the disobedience was because of their fear and their unbelief. Verse 8. Well, he said, uh, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. If Joshua had given them a rest, God wouldn't be talking about it now. That was a type of the spiritual rest. Keep going. Verse 9. There is still awaiting a full, complete Sabbath rest reserved for the people of God. This is ours. Now, in this earth, there remains a rest to the people of God. Said out loud, the rest belongs to us. Glory to God. That should reverberate in our spirit the rest of the night and tomorrow. There remains a rest to the people of God. Keep going, verse 10. He who has entered into that rest has ceased from his labors. Just as God rested from his labors. The temptation is to walk by sight instead of walking by faith. If you're walking by sight, you're trying to get it. And you're not going to believe you got it till you see it. And so you keep working. Whether it's praying harder or fasting more or confessing more, quoting more scriptures, why? See, that can be works too. Why? Because you're working to get it. Well, when are you going to believe you got it? When you see it. When you feel it. Oh, but faith is a rest. And we which have believed do enter into that rest. And faith and rest quits trying to get it. And says, thank you, Lord. I have it. You got it. You bought it. You gave it to me, and even though I don't see it, and I don't feel it, I believe what you said. And even though there may be some giants parked on it, and some big walls around it, that does not move me. If you say it's mine, it's mine. 
and I'm not trying to get it. I believe I got it. <laughs> See, if you walk in my sight, you can think you're a spiritual person. You can have all kind of books and tapes and everything else, but still the symptom popped up again. So you're running trying to get somebody to pray for you. You're running to get somebody trying to confess with you. You're calling this hotline and that hotline. Why? When are you going to believe you're healed? When? Well, when you feel better. That's walking beside. And you can, can you, how can you tell whether you're in faith or walking beside? Because if you're in faith, I'm just going to start thanking God because I already got it. Brother Hagen, my father in the faith, said that, uh, you know, he was pronounced with an incurable heart condition, was bedfast when he was 16 years old. And even years later in ministry, the enemy tried to bring that back to him. You know, the devil's a persistent cuss. But the thing that got you free will keep you free. Don't change. Keep doing the same thing. He said one night he was holding a meeting and he was in a bedroom at the parsonage and he was awakened in the middle of the night with alarming heart symptoms and he's been dead before so he knows what it's like. And he said, man, this just, it was shaking him. And he said, the devil came. He didn't see him but anything that's unbelief and fear bringing, we know it's the spirit of fear come from the devil. He said, these thoughts just came to his mind. You're not going to get your healing this time. You'll die in here in the night and they'll come find you and your wife will be so upset. And they'll say, wonder what happened to Brother Hagin. What's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to get put fear in you. You feel it. The symptoms are there. The thoughts are there. And most people just yield to the fear without even thinking and start talking what they're feeling and thinking. Don't even try to resist it. Because they don't even realize what's going on. But thank God he knew better. He started laughing. <laughs> Did you know that's one of the strongest responses of faith you can do? What do you mean? <laughs> well, just think about it. If somebody's pointing a, a revolver in your face and goes, I'm going to kill you. And you go, <laughs> how much more fearless could you respond? He laughed. He said, ha, ha, ha. He said he didn't feel like laughing. His heart is doing crazy things. He said, ha, ha, ha. He kind of had to put it on. Ha. He usually he'd say, har, har, har. Har, 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 har. He said, ha, ha, ha. He said, the thought came to him, what are you laughing about? You're dying. They're going to find you dead in here in the bed. And it felt like it. His heart's quit beating. And then he start back. And it's doing all the regular stuff. And of course, if your heart quits beating, even for a little bit, you. <laughs> and uh, he said he felt anything but like laughing. But he did it again, made himself. Ha, ha, ha. Devil. Thoughts came. What are you laughing about? You're not going to get your healing this time. He said, ha, ha, ha. Thoughts came back. What are you laughing about? Because you said, I'm not going to get my healing. Thoughts came. That's right. You're not going to get it this time. He said, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> what are you laughing about? I don't have to get my healing. 
I already got my healing. I never lost my healing. Jesus got my healing. I am healed. That's a rest. I ain't trying to get it. Jesus got it. And I received it. And I just rest in it. It's like we know that about going to heaven. How many are not trying to work hard every day to see if you make it in? How many losing sleep wondering if you might make it in the pearly gates, as they say? Some people think that Peter is going to meet you at the gate with a balance. And he's going to weigh your good works versus your bad. And if you got enough good, up. Oh, just squeaked in. Boy, that was close. Not happening. Not happening. <laughs> Our works could never save us and never make us righteous. The best we could ever do was filthy rags. Not enough, never be enough, not from anybody. I'm saved. How about you? My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not working to get saved. I'm saved. I'm not working to get healed. I'm healed. I'm not working to be prosperous. Rich. I'm rich. The Bible said he, he was made poor. So I could be made rich. Just like he was made sin with my sin and made sick with my sickness. But see, the temptation is there all the time to pull you back into walking by sight and to look at it and go, well, I don't look like I'm heaven material. I don't know if I'm making it in or not. Well, you better quit talking like that. Rest in it. Rest in what he's done. I don't feel like I'm healed. Quit talking like that. Rest in what he's done. Keep reading. Back up to verse 9 again. There remains a rest. To the people of God. Verse 10. He who's entered into that rest. He has ceased. From his labors. Just like God rested from his. Verse 11. Let us be zealous. And exert ourselves. And strive diligently. To get our healing. No. No. Let us be zealous. And the basic word here is diligent. Let's make every effort to be righteous. No. What the effort is to get in and stay in the rest. The part where you have to make effort. Is not effort to get your healing, effort to get your bills paid, effort, no, 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 no. The effort you have to put out is to overcome every distracting thing, every lying thing, every pulling thing that's trying to snatch you out of that place of rest, trying to get you upset and scared. Come on, are you listening, saints? And you've got to have your soul anchored. Boom. And no matter how the winds blow and the rain beats and the earth moves, you're saying, no, I'm staying in the tower of the protection of God. I'm staying in the rest. 
the rest is a real place where you and I are supposed to live every day. You don't just live in Florida or Missouri or Washington or China or the UK. You live in here and here. That's why there are people who are in the most beautiful mansions in Hawaii, in the Fiji Islands, 20 bedroom mansions in every sports car you could imagine that are absolutely midnight inside, suicidal. It's a beautiful place outside, the sun's shining, they got everything you could ever desire in the natural, but you don't just live out here, you live in here. You live in here. And there's not enough money. And there's not enough stuff. And there's not a beautiful enough place to just put you in there. Put you on that place geographically. And then you're always full of joy and peace on the inside. Because you're at that geographic location. Doesn't work that way. And if it's possible to be full of darkness. In the most beautiful place. In the most beautiful house on the planet. Guess what? Guess what? It's possible to be full of light and joy and peace in the darkest, roughest, poorest place on the planet. Because you don't just live out here. You live in here. And that's why you must not let fear in here. Because that's where we live. In here. The Bible says guard your heart. With all you guard, above all that you keep, because out of it are the issues of life. There are things we must not let in. Because it defiles where we live. Darkens where we live. Keep reading. Let us be zealous, exert ourselves, strive diligently to do what? Enter that rest. Get in the rest. And stay there. That's what we labor to do. Hallelujah. Keep reading. For. How does this flow together? Notice this. For. The word of God. (laughs) How do we get in and stay in the rest? The word of God. In our mouth. On our mind, speaking it against every contradiction, against everything that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, casting those things down, using it to keep from getting out of the place of rest. Go to 1 John 4th chapter. 1 John 4, verse 15. This passage goes with this Hebrew passage we just got through reading, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and 1 John 4 are talking about some of the very same things. 1 John 4.15, whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God what? Dwells. Lives. This is where you live. He lives in him. This language has seemed symbolic to us and it's not. This is not symbolic language. We really do live in him. Verse 16. 
We have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love and he that what? Dwells, lives in love, lives in God. That's where you live. Where do you live? Don't give me your street address. Because that's the least important thing of where you live. You don't just live out here. You live in here. Your perception of life, your perception of reality is all happening inside you, not outside you. You're living inside yourself. Where do you live in here? How many know that there are a lot of folks live in a dark place in here? They live in a bad place. Oh, but there's some believers that live in a glorious place. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Said out loud, I live in love. That's where I live. It's a nice place. <laughs> the sun is always shining. <laughs> Keep going. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Even though Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, we're here on the planet, we live at the same place. Does it say you and I have been seated with him at the right hand of majesty? Well, that's not geographically, physically, but it is true. Inside, that's where we live. This hasn't been real enough to us, but it's beginning to be, huh? Say it out loud, so be it, so be it. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. When you dwell in love, you dwell in a fear-free place. Say it out loud, I live in love, and there's no fear there. There's no fear where I live, because I live in love. I live in God. There is no fear in love. How much? No fear. There's none. There's no fear. Listen to the Amplified. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Where I live, dread doesn't even exist. It's not there. This is not imaginary. This is real. This is where I live. Have you ever been depressed? Well, that's where you lived for a while. Have you ever been scared? Well, you lived there for a while. <laughs> let's live here. I said, let's live here all the time. The rest of our lives Every day, every, no matter what's going on around us, we don't have to move. We can live in the same place. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we're like him, we'll be the same. All the time, we live in the same place. Dread does not exist. Full-grown love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. 
Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen to the Weymouth's translation. Weymouth says, love has in it no element of fear. No element of it. We prayed a prayer a few minutes ago, and the Lord's answering that prayer. We asked him to put a finger on fear, right? Help us to see it. It's because there's a lot of things that have been there since you were a child that you've yielded to. Don't think anything about it. Everybody around you yields to it the same way, but we're not going to live in fear. Not even a little bit. Any more. There's not even an element of fear in the love that God is because he is love. If there was even a little bit of fear in love, there'd be a little bit of fear in God. The creator of the heavens and the earth. No how, no way. The almighty has zero fear. None. You're his child. I said you're his child. You got his spirit in you. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Spirit of power. Spirit of. Spirit of. Love. And a sound, established, anchored mind and heart. We have moved into love permanently. We're not leaving. We have entered into rest permanently. We're not leaving. Somebody say glory to God. Love has no element of fear. Perfect love drives away fear because fear involves pain. The Darby translation says fear involves torment. The basic English, the BBE says, because where there is fear, there is pain. If you look up, King James says fear has torment. That's the word for torture. And you know where else this same Greek word is used? Matthew 25, 46. It's not used that many places, this specific word. But notice what the same word that's used to describe fear has torment, same word, says these shall go away unto everlasting punishment. He is describing the environment of hell. Fear has hell's environment. People who live in fear are living in a little bit of hell on earth. It is not a figure of speech. There are reasons why people have said these kind of things. It's hell on earth. Actually, it is. It is. Because it is torture. It's torment. The fire is not just what makes hell hell. What makes hell hell is the complete absence of love and light and peace and the overwhelming presence of fear and hopelessness. 
and hell is manifested in varying degrees throughout the earth. And people that go to hell after this life, it will not be completely unfamiliar to them. It'll be much worse. But they will have already tasted it and experienced varying degrees of it here in this life. Well, if that's true, (laughs) I said, if that's true, (laughs) what else do you think is true? Deuteronomy talks about experiencing days of heaven on earth. What makes heaven heaven? It's not just the streets of gold. It's it's not just the, the beautiful things. The Bible said we won't even need a star, a sun to give us light there because the Lamb is the light. So when you're feeling like we feel the sun down here and you feel that in heaven, you're feeling Jesus. And as you operate, the atmosphere won't be exactly like the atmosphere here, thank God. But you will be not just an atmosphere of uh, oxygen and nitrogen. You'll be in an atmosphere of living love. You'll feel it. It'll course through you. It'll be in your eyes. And your ears and your hands, tangible, tangible, living love, which is God, who is love. And when we get to heaven, not if, it will not be completely unfamiliar to us. (laughs) I said it will not be completely unfamiliar to us. Because we will have been living in some of it down here. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. What makes heaven heaven? Some things we're already tasting of right down here. Love. Joy, peace. You ever heard of these things before? That's what heaven's full of. You believe heaven's full of love. It's full of God. You believe it's full of joy. No question. You believe it's full of peace. Can you taste that now? Can you live in some of that now? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Somebody say, yes, I will. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I will what? I will not fear. I will get in and stay in the rest of God. I will live in love. I will stay there, dwell there, live there. It's where I live. It's where I live. I live in God. And in love, dread does not exist. (laughs) There's none there. It's the environment of heaven. 
There's no terror in heaven. Go with me to John, please. We prayed a prayer a few moments ago. I believe the Lord's already answering it. And get ready to see some more. John. No, excuse me. Go to Matthew 25 first. Then I think we'll go to John 8. I've seen this. I had the privilege of working in healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for 20 years or so. I was involved in some of those things. I've seen this where people got into faith and you could see how they got into rest. When you learn to look for it, it is so obvious. I remember one day I was speaking. It was about 30 people maybe in a morning session. And I was teaching on Mark 11, 24. What things you ever you desire, believe you receive them. And you shall have them. And I, there was a lady that was sitting just to my right, about where Dan's sitting. And I, she had some kind of ailment, and, and uh, she was new there. And it was pretty informal in that little small group. And I'm standing right there in front of her like this, and I'm talking about and teaching the word. And she held up her finger like that. And I said, yes. She said, are you saying I just believe I receive it and I got it? I said, no, that's what he said. He said, believe you receive it and you'll have it. She said, oh, that's easy. <laughs> and I went back on to preaching. And she came up after the service, this big smile on her face. She said, look, look, look. I thought, okay. She said, you understand, this whole side of my body has been paralyzed for all this time. I hadn't been able to write or do anything with that hand. That's how quick it happened. I could see it in her face. She was kind of intense, seeing she could understand all this. And then she said, oh, that's easy. (laughs) And just that quick, that stuff left her body. How many can see we have tried too hard? In our all the devil has helped us to make it complicated and hard. Trying to get it. When we already got it. <laughs> Faith is what? When are you going to believe you got it? If you wait until you see it and feel it, there's no faith. If you wait until the test come back and say you don't have it and report it, any unbeliever could, could say, yeah, okay, I got it now. Notice concerning other areas of life, ministry. Matthew 25 is where Jesus taught about how that the master gave different talents to different ones. And you remember in the 25th verse, the man who took his one talent and hid it. Why did he do that? Others used what God gave them and it multiplied. And then they were rewarded and blessed. The Lord was pleased. Because it took faith to do what they did. They took something and believed God for it to become more. You know, the blessing of increase is the multiplication of the seed. But it takes faith to sow it. And it takes faith to believe for it. And it takes faith to harvest it. And if you get scared, you won't even sow it. If you get scared, you'll quit trying to believe it'll, the harvest will come in. But what did he do? I was afraid and went and hid 
your talent in the earth. Absolutely not the thing he should have done. He's afraid what? I'm afraid I might lose what the Lord gave me. I'm afraid I might mess up what he gave me. So we'll just find a nice safe place over here and put it up under there and cover it up so that we don't lose it. And the Lord was not pleased. Was He was displeased. Friend, there are vestiges of this all over the place. Where people are saying, I just, I don't want to miss God. I, uh, I just, I don't want to let him down. I, I just, you know, I, I come so short and I've just messed up. And people think that's good. People think, oh, bless their heart. Holy saint of God. And it is devilish, hellish fear. And oftentimes it's mixed together with some good things. This pensiveness. This being unsure. This this tenseness. Oh, I hope I don't mess up. Oh, I hope I don't mess up. Oh, I hope I don't mess up. Oh, y'all pray. If you don't quit yielding to fear, it won't do us any good to pray. Yeah, but I just, I, I, I want to do good. I, I want to do good. It's great to have a strong desire to please the Lord. But is that all that's there? No, there's a fear mixed in with it. That I might not be good enough. That we might not make it good enough. That fear is not from God. The spirit of fear is from the devil. I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid. I, I'll mess up. I just. Well let me help you out with this. You are going to mess up. Because <laughs> you don't know everything. And if Paul said we know in part. Including himself, then most folks just know part of the part of the part of the part. And it's all in parts you don't know that'll be the problem. Because you'll do some dumb things and make some mistakes, not even know that you're doing them because of all the stuff you don't know. But do you know the Lord doesn't care about that? He cares about your heart. And He's looking at your heart all the time. And what is a heart that is perfect towards him? A heart that is complete towards him? It is a heart full of faith and love with no fear. And even though you've messed up or come short or made mistakes, you can still say, well, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm going to do what he told me to do. Get out of the way. Here I come again. Right? <laughs> If you're afraid you're going to miss it, you'll never do anything. If you're afraid somebody's going to talk about you, you'll never do it. Yeah, they're going to. They're already talking about you. Fear is hellish. It's devilish. It's torturous. It's tormenting. You've been there. I've been there. Maybe you put on a good front on the outside, but inside you're just. Oh man, oh man, oh man. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? I hope, oh I don't know. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. That is not okay. 
I said, that is not okay. I know most of, most of the world and most of the church lives like this. But Jesus didn't live like this. And there have been men and women of God all along the way that didn't live like this. And a lot of us have lived like this some. How about let's live like this all the way. All the way. All the time. But you got to recognize that little bit of tension and apprehension and dread and call it. Call it out and go, no, no, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to fear. I resist that. I will not fear. I will not fear. Go to John. In closing, I think. John 8. You're not afraid I'm going to go too long. I'm not afraid I won't go long enough. We're just not afraid. We're just not afraid. Oh, friend, we started off talking about it's the anointing that teaches. Do you believe the anointing is rolling in you tonight? Come on, that it will continue all night long. And you are seeing things and hearing things. I didn't tell you. I didn't teach it to you. He is. He's teaching me and you. Right? And we are going to recognize and identify fear right and left. And we're going to put a stop to it. We are going to quit yielding to it in all of its forms and degrees. Because I live in love. I live in the rest. That's where I live. It's where I stay. It's a nice place. (laughs) Full of peace. Full of joy. Full of light. Full of life. No matter what's going on out here. I can live in here. Like that. When it comes to service. You know. When I was using those phrases a while ago. How do you think I know some of these things? You know, myself at different points in time. I I remember I had been with Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for, oh man, maybe a year, if that much. And I was no preacher. I mean, I didn't know the word. I didn't know anything about ministry. And I'm helping people in the, uh, after the service, uh, if they want somebody to pray to get saved or find them a Bible. Or straighten up the chairs. That's my ministry. And uh, some things came up. And they called me over. And they said Brother Hagin's not going to be here next Thursday. And he said he wants you to speak. <laughs> and so I had told him over and over again. Anything you need. Anything you need. And so my initial response was. Okay. Okay. Sure. Whatever you need. And I left. And I'm walking out in the parking lot to my little pickup. And I thought. What? <laughs> oh man, you have messed up. You don't know how to preach. And you know, and you know who's speaking there every day? Brother Kenneth Hagin. He's seen the head of the church. He's had all these visions and got this anointing in his hands. And and, and other our guest speakers were John Osteen, Brother Copeland, different ones. I mean, that had come to the school and spoke. And who's going to be there next Thursday? <laughs> Keith, nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> and so my initial response is, you know, these people are sick. They got real problems. They don't need me coming in here trying to find out what's going on. They need somebody that knows what they're doing. And so <laughs> I'm about eight, nine months old in ministry. And so I, I'm going to go back in to tell them 
no, you know, you really don't need me. And let's get somebody that can do this thing. And, and the Lord checked me as I'm walking back. He said, you better ask me. I thought, I just froze just like that. I thought, yes, sir. Uh, of course, you already pretty much know what he's going to say right? <laughs> when that happens. He said, I want you to do it. I'm not talking about hearing a voice inside me. I said, hmm. So I got my little truck. And I drove downtown uh, to the rough part of the city and got our, in our little apartment next to Shoot 'em Up Alley. And, <laughs> and a little bitty place and old. And, and, uh, and I actually, the, the closet wasn't big enough. It was not a walk-in closet. It was a little bitty thing. But I got in it, literally. I crawled in there and put my nose on the, on the thing. And, and I... I'm praying and I'm, and I'm, I'm carrying on. No, I'm sure it didn't sound like faith at all. And I know, God, God, I need help. You know, how in the world I'm going to do this? These people are sick. They need help. And, and are you sure you want me to do this? And, and, um, finally, I did, I don't know, I must have done that for an hour or so. And I, I kind of run out of gas. And I'm just laying there. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, you feel like you don't have much. I said, that's right. And he said, and, and Brother Hagin's been ministering all these decades and has this powerful anointing and has seen the head of the church. And, and uh, he said, don't forget this. You remember the little boy's lunch? I thought, yeah. He said, I can take a little and do a lot with it. I'm comparing myself and my experience with the need. And so I'm panicking that I'm not enough. I'm yielding to fear. And that's the worst thing I could do. Because to get through this, I'm going to need his grace and anointing. And how am I going to get that? Faith. Right? And we which believe do enter into rest. He said, son, trust me. You feel like you've got two crackers and a sardine. <laughs> you stand up. You lift it up by faith. You say, Lord, we thank you for this great bounty. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. And he said, then you believe me to multiply it. I did. I overcame the fear. I pushed past. I went up there and I looked at the crowd. And I thought, don't look them in the eye. So let's all stand up and pray. So I said, uh, Lord, we thank you for this bountiful provision. <laughs> and we're just believing you to multiply it and meet the need today. And I started speaking and illustrations came to me and, and, and scriptures came to me and things I didn't even know I knew. And it just came to me and I figured I'd be done in about five minutes. And in 45 minutes, I'm still going strong. And finally we finished up and I'm looking at the people and they're looking at me spiritually like this. Mm. I'm thinking, they don't know what a miracle this is. <laughs> they have just witnessed the multiplication of the loaves of fishes and didn't know it. <laughs> but if you measure yourself and your experience and what you see and know against the need, you're always going to come up feeling short. Because the truth is you are not enough. What you know is not enough. What you can do is not enough. 
Just get that settled right now. Get it out of the way. Yeah. The devil said, you ain't able to do it. You go, you got that right. But I'm not by myself. And the greater one's in me. And I'm just going to lean back on him and rest in him. And what the Lord put in my mouth in the months after that, because they asked me to do it again. Isn't that wonderful? I'm so glad they did. You know, it means a lot when somebody puts you up and you're dumb as a post and they know it. And they still put you up because God told them to. That's, I will love them forever for doing that because that's the only way you develop. You got to do it. And uh, the Lord dealt with me. Don't confess and talk what you don't know, what you don't have, what you can't do. Because what's that going to do? That's going to produce fear in you. Right? He said, you talk, you confess what you have and what you know. It Maybe all you know is I'm saved. Well, just stay on it. Talk it all the time. I'm saved, I'm saved, I know I'm saved. You talk about saved, I'm saved. Because why? It's not just a funny thing. In the light of that, you'll get more light. But if you talk about what you don't know, it'll get darker. You'll begin to be more aware of ignorance and lack. And so the Lord dealt with me, don't talk about how you don't have preaching experience, how you don't have the anointing like Brother Hagin does. Don't, don't talk that. Don't say that. He said he didn't have the anointing he has when he started either. That's right. He said, you do this, and I started doing it. I'd go in the speaker's room by myself, and I'd sit there for 30 minutes at a time and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me. He's anointed me to preach. I'm anointed to preach. I'm anointed to preach. I'm anointed to preach. I'm anointed. I'm anointed to minister healing and deliverance. I'm anointed. Now, faith comes by hearing, doesn't it? Isn't that different from feeding a fear by saying, I just feel so inadequate. And I just, just, you know, I'm not like all them and and I can't do all what they do. Have you heard that before? Maybe you heard it come out of your mouth. It is so prevalent. It is so pervasive. It's so, the church is full of it. And it's ungodly devilish, hellish fear. We got no business with it. The Lord showed me this today and I got excited and I'm still excited. Do you want to see it? John 8. John 8. He told us how to talk. He told us how to believe. He told us how to walk. He he came down here. He became man. He demonstrated year after year exactly how to live, exactly how to pray, exactly how to deal with devils and disease and nature and everything. Didn't he? Didn't he? What should we do? We should follow his example. I had a fellow get upset with me one time. He said, well, you're just trying to act like Jesus. I said, I thought that was the idea. You got a better example for me to be like? (laughs) But see, the devil wants you to do anything except what Jesus did. Be like him. Too late, though. We found it out. We know. John 8 and 29. Jesus said. Somebody say, he's my example. 
He's my hero. I do what he did. I talk like he talked. I live like he lived. We know he didn't live in fear. Don't we? I mean, he lived in peace. He lived in power. And he did it as a man. Anointed with the Holy Ghost. He said, he that has sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Do you remember in the darkest time, if you want to call it that, challenge of his life, when uh, he's about to be scourged and crucified and everything, he said, and all of you, his closest companions, on he said, all of you are going to leave me. And that's where a lot of folk could break down and start crying. He immediately says, but I am not alone. Hmm. Glory to God. He said, I am not alone. The Father that sent me is with me. Don't say I'm so tired of being alone, living in my little apartment by myself. I just get so alone. You are not alone. I'm not alone. I'm never alone. He's always with me. Never leaves me. Never for 24-7 everywhere I go all the time. Say that loud. I'm never alone. He said, the Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Is Jesus bragging? Is he bragging that I have a perfect record of pleasing the Father all the time? Is he bragging? No. What's he saying? What is this, this phrase? It is a confession of faith. How do you please God? How do you know it's a confession of faith, Brother Keith? Well, he's still got things to do after he says this. He's not full of pride. He said, come learn of me. I'm meek, humble, lowly of heart. And what will you find? You'll find rest unto your soul when you start doing it like he did. You never heard Jesus say, I'll do the best I can. I hope it's enough. You know, we all fall short. (laughs) Well, if he never talked that way, why do we think it's all right for us to talk that way? Centuries of religion and goofy preaching from the pulpits in the churches. And a lot of times it was in simplicity. The pastors and ministers themselves didn't know anybody. They weren't doing it maliciously. I'm sure I've said things and done things I shouldn't have said and done. But is there a better example to follow than the master himself? There is no better example. So what should you and I say? What should you and I say? Oh, come on, come on. Say it out loud. I always do the things that please Him. It's a declaration of faith. Without faith, it's impossible. So He had to say it in faith. Or the statement itself couldn't have pleased God. And he's talking about things that hadn't happened yet too. It is a proclamation. 
a declaration. Oh, come on. Does that excite you at all? It's a declaration. He's operating as a man just like you and I. And he's saying, I always do what pleases the Father. You might say, well, it's too late for me. You know, uh, he never sinned, but I've sinned a bunch of times. Too late for me. No, 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 no. There's something called the blood of the Lamb that absolutely washes you clean. So when you're washed, you have no hit and miss record. There's sins and iniquities I will remember no more. You're remembering them, but he doesn't. And you're going, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I doubt I'm 50-50. Hush, hush, hush. The blood has washed it all away. If you've repented, it's gone. So here's what you say. I always do those things that please him. I always. I pray prayers that please him. I do things on the job all day that please him. I'm going to go out there, preachers. I'm going to go out there and preach and it's going to be good. Paul said, I magnify my office. That's not bragging on your flesh. That's glorifying God for what he put on you and what he gave to you. People think it's humility to speak disparagingly of the things God has done on you and in you. That's just insulting to him. We got to get our mouth straightened out. The least bit of dread, the least bit of apprehension, tension is all forms of fear. The moment you feel it, the moment you sense it, the moment you hear it, the moment you're tempted to say it, put your foot down, resist it, say, I refuse to fear. I refuse. I refuse to talk that junk. I refuse to fear. I always do what pleases him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can and yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I will please him good. Well, every day of my life, I will run my race. I will finish my course with joy. I'm going to stick out my chest and hit the end. Hit the finish line. I'm going to stand before his throne. I'm going to stand in the glory. I'm going to hear Keith. Well done, boy. Well done. Well done. And it's not because I'm so smart or done everything right. It's because he loves me. He loves me and he loves me. And I am secure. And already completely accepted in the beloved. And living in that love, I just relax. I'm at rest. I'm at peace. My eternal future is already mapped and secure. He knew before I was born. Every bobble and fall I'd ever make. And he's already fixed it. I said he's already fixed it. He's already done it all. 
And no matter what I find out tomorrow, it's no surprise to him. Right? And he already knew. And he already knew what I might say or do, even if it was dumb or wrong. And he loved me anyway, and chose me anyway, and called me anyway. Somebody said out loud, I am accepted. Completely accepted. In the beloved. And I am complete in him. And my present. And my future. Is totally secure. Already. In him. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.